were just coming into an anchorage and a boat came flying across our bow um, with a whole bunch of guys with machine guns and bullets across their chest. And tradition, the boat we owned was um, a pretty old, slow, long-keeled boat. So I think Dad had it in full reverse and they were yelling at us to get downstairs. So Molly and I were down below looking out through the porthole as these guys jumped on board. Yeah, where, where you were on the metal race course, you kind of sailed out and then we sailed past the beach and you could just see like the crowd on the beach, which was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, experience, you know, sailing out to your final race of the Olympics. We were like, whew, it was quite big. At the point, you know, I was just kind of worried that I haven't killed the guy. Um, but luckily we were both all right. Um, but my rig came down and I ended up swimming in what I thought were shark infest waters for quite some time. Hi everyone, and welcome to another edition of Broad Reach Radio, the Yachting New Zealand podcast. My name is Michael Brown, and I can imagine most of you in New Zealand will have been excited about breaking your bubble this week and the opportunity to get back out on the water. Well, today's two guests certainly were. Sam and Molly Meach are best known for winning bronze and silver medals, respectively, at the 2016 Rio Olympics. But they also spent seven years as youngsters sailing around the world before returning to New Zealand and making a name for themselves in the youth and Olympic classes. They talk about their upbringing, being accosted by the military, not going to school until they were at least 10 years old, being part of the highly successful generation of sailors to come out of Tauranga, and their successes and challenges on the world stage. Before we get into that though, we've got another tale of someone's worst wipeout ever. This is a section of the show in which listeners can write in detailing their worst wipeout. This could be a spectacular one, embarrassing one, or just plain costly. Today's story comes from Maria Ferrario, the head coach at the Royal Akarana Yacht Club. She writes, It was just a few days before my wedding last year and a lot of my friends and family from Argentina came over. I suggested we should compete in the MRX National Championships because it would be a bit of fun and we're all good sailors. We were supposed to go training together the day before racing was due to start, but it was too windy, so our first sail together was the first race of the regatta, and it didn't go very well. We had our Argentine flag hanging from the backstay in the hope of intimidating some of the other teams, and had our flashy pink t-shirts on. We were in the middle of the fleet coming down to the bottom mark, but couldn't get our spinnaker down. Rather than crash into other competitors, we went wide. We tried and tried to get the spinnaker down, but it was stuck, so found ourselves sailing off towards Rangitoto. The boat was heeling over pretty badly at this point, and we needed help from a chase boat to get the spinnaker down and get us upright again. It probably won't come as a surprise to learn we had to abandon that race, so it wasn't a great start to the regatta. At least the marriage is going better. Well, thanks, Maria. If you want to tell us your story of your worst wipeout ever, then you can email michaelb at yachtingnz.org.nz. Right, it's time to hear from Sam and Molly Meach. Enjoy. Well, joining us on the show today is Sam and Molly Meach. Sam, of course, won bronze on the laser at the 2016 Rio Olympics and in 2018 and 19 was the world's top ranked laser sailor. And Molly teamed up with Alex Maloney to win silver in the 49FX at the Rio Olympics and also won the 2013 49FX world title also with Alex. Welcome to the show, guys. Um, I'm guessing you're locking down together. Um, how have you coped with lockdown, Sam? Because I, I can't imagine that you've sat this still for some time. Uh, no, it's, it's been a little bit of a change. Um, I was actually just looking back at my calendar and uh, realized quite how long it has been that we've been uh, in the same same house. Um, that we've been here with flatmates, though, so it's not just the two of us. What about for you, Molly? How, how's the experience been and, and guess how have you passed the time? 
Yeah, like Sam said, it's probably been the longest period of time that we've both been in the house um, together. But Sam luckily set up a gym for us in our garage uh, probably a couple of days before lockdown, luckily. Um, so we managed to kind of keep training as best as possible. And we've got a um, stationary bike as well. So we've managed to train um, pretty well throughout this period. And other than that, just doing a few hobbies and, um, yeah, I guess try to keep ourselves busy. Just not being back on the water. So what will that be experience, that first sailing experience be like, Sam, when we move to Alert Level 2? And just for the listeners out there, just to, to, to let you know, this interview is actually being done before we move into Level 2. So what will that first sailing experience be like? I'm looking forward to it. It's always such a neat feeling when you haven't sailed for a while. I had a few injuries um, over the last couple of years and so I've been out for a similar length of time but it's just uh, yeah it's just such a cool feeling when you do get to go back. Does it sort of make you appreciate I guess what you have when you can't have it? Yeah it really does sometimes we get a little bit a uh, little bit ungrateful for being able to go out on the water especially you know when there's bad weather over the winter um, some days you kind of wish you weren't going but when you can't go you really do appreciate it. What, what do you think that first sailing experience would be like for you, Molly? Because it must have felt like you've missed a big chunk of this year uh, with Alex's injury when on the eve of the 49 FX World Champs in, in Melbourne. Um, will it be a regular training session or just a blast for fun and to sort of feel that spray on your face again? Yeah, so obviously we were pretty gutted not to compete at the uh, Worlds this year um, and that kind of put us back a few weeks and then before the lockdown we'd kind of got back into normal training so we were feeling like we were ready to go and then to have this I guess another setback um yeah I think it's going to be really nice to hit the water hopefully um on Friday and I think we'll just go for a bit of a blast and you know just get back to the things we love going fast in the 49er <laughs> well the ocean has played such a massive role in in your lives to date and I guess it's a big part of what I'd like to talk to you about today um, I'm keen to explore your uh, your upbringing, which is quite unique, and then your emergence as um, world-class sailors in your respective classes. Um, so, Sam, when you were, I think, three and a half and you were 18 months old, Molly, um, your parents sold the family home and bought a boat. Perhaps, Sam, you could just sort of take up the story because the original plan, I believe, was for the family to sail from Kerry Kerry to Australia, but it certainly turned into something a little bit more than that. Yeah, so when we were pretty young, um, my dad was doing locums as a GP up in Kerikou, and uh, they were looking for a house to buy, but just uh, ended up finding a boat instead. So we were living on that while dad was working for a couple of years um, until they decided to head off over the winter, and we cruised, well, the original plan was just to go to Australia, but we cruised uh, to Vanuatu and New Caledonia, and made it to Australia where I think mum and dad had to work because they were out of money already. Um, but from there they decided to keep going and, and that was it for seven years. What were, what were your sort of early memories, Molly? Because you were so young when this all started. Did it seem that to you that sailing around the world was perfectly natural and, and sort of something that everybody did? <laughs> um, yeah, I guess, to be honest, like unfortunately I don't remember a lot of our trip. Um, a lot of it's from stories and, you know, the photos and memories that we have. But, yeah, I guess growing up, I, I didn't know any difference. So I guess I thought we probably just on a really cool adventure and, yeah, it was normal. It wasn't until we really got home that you were kind of like, actually, that was quite a special childhood. So, so Sam just mentioned a couple of places there. Where else did, um, did, did you end up, Molly? Um, so... I don't know, Sam's going to have to jump in here, but we kind of went from Australia up through the islands and then across and up through the Red Sea, and that took us into the Mediterranean. And then we uh, actually went up through the French canals through France to England. And so we lived in England for about 18 months, was it, Sam? Yeah, so two years in the UK. And then from there we went down Spain, Portugal, across the Atlantic to the Caribbean and then went through the Panama Canals. Uh, we didn't have to take the mast down, which was nice going through there. And then to the Galapagos, uh, back to the islands and then home. Wow, what a journey. It seems pretty quick when you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
But it, it wasn't all plain sailing, though, um, Sam. And at one point, you were accosted by pirates in the Red Sea. What was the story there? Uh, we did have a pretty exciting moment going up to the Red Sea. Um, we were just coming into an anchorage, and a boat came flying across our bow um, with a whole bunch of guys with machine guns and bullets across their chest. Um, it turned out they were actually uh, actually local army, but it was pretty scary at the moment when they were waving the guns at the boat, telling us to stop. And tradition, the boat we owned was um, a pretty old, slow, long-keeled boat. So I think Dad had it in full reverse, and they were yelling at us to get downstairs. So Molly and I were down below looking out through the porthole as these guys jumped on board and uh, yelled at us for our passports. Um and they, uh, what mum and dad gave them the passports and then they disappeared and they said, you anchor here. And we stayed there for the night until they came back in the morning. But yeah, that was probably the most scary moment we had um, in terms of meeting people along the way. And actually, I read in a boating magazine a few years um, after we came back to New Zealand that a boat did get shot at there. But I do wonder whether it was just the army guys again. So were there any other occasions, Molly, when you felt threatened or scared, whether they were man-made or, or more natural? Um, I I never really liked it when we were in big storms. Um, I would, it's fair to say I was probably more of a um, fair-weather sailor at the time. But, yeah, I no, no other kind of um, experiences like the Red Sea. Molly gets a little seasick, so she doesn't like it when it's rough. <laughs> <laughs> So you were homeschooled, I think, um, by your mother until you were 12, I think. Sam, what was that experience like? Well, it was pretty different than going to school. Um, like Molly said, you know, we growing up on the boat, we didn't realise uh, what it would be like. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we'd do a couple of hours of school a day and then go off and experience the places we're at and then quite a bit more um, work while we're doing long passages when you had the time at sea. Um but you do get so much done in such a short amount of time when you're um, when you're just working from home, and uh, I didn't appreciate that until I went to school. And you spend the whole day um, trying to get the same amount of work done. Though traveling around, you know, I was kind of wishing I was back home and um, and uh, hanging out with friends at school all the time. So I guess Molly, the whole experience, you know, what impact has that had on you in later life? Um, I think just in general, I think growing up on the boat's really given us a cool appreciation for the um, ocean and kind of nature. Um, I think we're really fortunate to have been able to um, have a childhood like that. I think like Sandy coming home for after being homeschooled and going to school and kind of into a normal routine felt very different and quite strange. So, Sam, you, your parents finally settled in, in Hamilton, which isn't exactly beside the ocean. How difficult was it to put down some roots after wandering around the world for seven years? So we ended up coming back to Hamilton because that's where our, my grandmother lived and uh, my cousins were there as well. So it was pretty easy to kind of start fitting back into it. Um, and it was neat to see the family after not seeing them for so long. Was it was it difficult, I guess, though, and, and you know, adjusting to normal and in, in inverted commas life yeah for sure the uh the school was really difficult you know having to be there all day um was a huge challenge and what actually was quite exciting the first day we got to wear school uniforms which i don't think many kids find that but yeah having to dress up was uh was pretty fun so molly how did you get into sailing back in new zealand i mean i read somewhere that you didn't really like it yeah, so uh, I guess we moved to Hamilton, and like you said, that's quite far away from any kind of sea, probably the furthest you can in New Zealand. Um, and so we joined Hamilton Yacht Club, and that's, I guess, a tiny lake in Hamilton. Now that we go back and look at it, I'm amazed that we actually learned to sail there. Um, but Sam kind of got into sailing first. He'd already done a little bit over in England while we were traveling. And so he was pretty keen to get back into, um, I guess, dinghy sailing. And I kind of just followed his footsteps, I guess, and got out there in a little opti and learned how to sail. Uh, but, yeah, it wasn't – I didn't love it to start with. On a nice day, it was pretty good fun. But when it was kind of rainy and a bit wet, I, I didn't really enjoy getting out there and getting cold. <laughs> now you can't wait to get back out on the water, huh? 
<laughs> yeah, excited for the sailing, but I'm not so sure about this whole winter aspect. Mm. Um, Sam, your I think your first boat was a wooden opti called Miss Piggy. What was she like? Uh, it was pretty exciting to get get my first boat. Um, and your Miss Piggy uh, required quite a bit of work, so we're um, it was a neat project. And I think that's a, quite a cool thing about New Zealand classes. You know, is often their boats which uh, you and your dad work on. So dad and I were out there painting the thing quite a lot and repairing holes. Um, but yeah, it was a neat, neat boat to start in and, and the optimist taught me quite a bit. And, and what about you, Molly? What was your first boat? Did you, like a lot of siblings, get a, a hand-me-down? Uh, I think I actually had my own optimist in the beginning. I think I had a blue one called Quicksilver. So that was pretty exciting. And then you moved on to something Twisted Sister, is that right? That pink one? <laughs> yeah that was um it was actually one of the older girls when I was learning to sail uh Hannah Morris um she had this really cool it was purple boat with pink writing Twisted Sister um and I remember saying to mum and dad that you know like if I was to sail a p-class that was you know that was the p-class that I would really like and then I remember I think it was for Christmas one year I, I got given this boat and it was I was just so excited I think I had had a purple boat and a little pink beanie with some devil ears on that I was pretty well known for after a few years in the P class. Nice, a boat with attitude. Good <laughs> to hear. So how long did you stay in Hamilton before heading to Tauranga? Uh, so I think we were about, four, I don't know, Sam, like four or five years. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think we are there for four years. Yeah, and then I guess the more and more that we sailed, we kept driving over to Tauranga um, to compete in their winter series and the weekend racing. Um, so I think it was kind of a natural progression that we were just driving over so much that it was kind of time to move back to the sea. Yeah, well, uh, I guess you joined the Tauranga Yacht and Powerboat Club, and among the sailors there was a certain Peter Burling and Tom and Jason Saunders. What do you remember, Sam, about those experiences sailing with um, youngsters who have gone on to be among the best in the world? Yeah, I guess when we um, when when I was sailing for Hamilton Yacht Club, you know, we we would go over and race the Taranga guys sometimes, and uh, obviously they were they'd all been sailing quite a lot more, um, or sorry, doing a lot more dinghy sailing at that age. They were quite a lot better than us, so we had a little bit of a kind of rivalry going that we just want to beat them in in races if we could. Um, so yeah, it was neat to go over and actually be able to do some training and, and a lot more sailing with them. But yeah, those guys were um, some of the best in the country at that age. Uh, so I was a little bit out of my league at that point. So what would you do? You know, we hear stories about the group getting together, you know, on most days. You know, is, that, is that how it played out? So it was really cool when I moved to um, Taranga Boys because we got to do the the teams racing. So we're down there quite a lot, sailing in the 420s and uh, and practicing teams racing and then also in, in starlings and P classes. So yeah, there was there was quite a bit of sailing to be done um, during the weeknights in summer and then then in the weekends during the winter. So Molly, how did you fit in all, with all of this? Because um, did you join the, the four of them and, and racing and sail and training together? Um, yes, yeah, so I was probably more racing against Thomas Saunders, um, and we had a pretty cool group. We had a couple of other guys, Sam Bullock, and um, a couple of girls that I sailed with. And yeah, pretty similar to Sam, like we'd go out um, on the evenings in summer, and we'd kind of just go sailing for fun, you know, like we'd go on cruises, you'd go kind of race to Matakana and different things like that. So we weren't necessarily always, um, I guess, training as we'd call it now but we'd be sailing because we love it so sam you went on to compete at two youth sailing world championships winning a gold and bronze in the laser radial um i read somewhere that it was at that point you realized you could potentially make a career out of sailing what sort of dropped with you there i guess i uh at that stage i was just improving quite a lot um you know i did reasonably well in the starling and p class but not really that great but then I kind of, I guess I applied myself a little bit more and um, and started going quite a lot better when I got into the laser radial. Um, and I'd never been overseas to compete and didn't really know kind of how I fitted in um, in terms of the rest of the world. So it was going to that first Youth Worlds and realising, you know, actually I am 
reasonably good at this at this level um yeah really kind of motivated me to keep going and molly you also went to two youth worlds um also on the laser radial um but you've said that you didn't do as well as you would have liked but what impact did those experiences have on you yeah i think competing at the youth world championships was pretty amazing like i think it was the first time like sam said that i'd actually been able to travel overseas for sailing and we got to go away with a really cool group of um Kiwis, you know, that I'm still competing against now. And I think you made friends internationally as well to a level that we're still racing against some of the girls that I kind of met at those events. Um, so, yeah, really pretty big life experiences, but also, yeah, good racing and kind of opened my eyes up to international sailing circuit, which was cool. So Sam, what was it like moving from the youth classes into the full rig and then competing against, you know, the world's best laser sailors? Yeah, it was definitely quite a shock. Um, the first youth worlds I did was in the full rig, so I got quite a bit bigger for that. And then I went back into the radial for the next one. Um, but after winning the, the 2009 youth worlds, I was like, oh, I'll kind of jump into the, into the full open fleet and I'll do all right. But it was a bit of a shock to the system. <laughs> I got absolutely smoked um, and you realize that, yeah, there's a lot of people who are actually pretty good at sailing, um, you know, but you're going to have to work pretty hard if you want to, um, if you want to make it in the open fleet. Yeah. I was looking at some of your results actually, um, as I was preparing for this and I think in Keel week, you were 69th and then the following year you were 74th at the Princess Sophia regatta, you know, was it hard to stay patient? Uh, it's really difficult. Um, especially because it's, it's hard to know what to work on, you know, like there's just so many things when you jump, um, jump into the open fleet. Uh, but I was super lucky at that point that we had so many good laser sailors in New Zealand. Um, so I could kind of go out training and, and slowly try and catch up to them, um, and kind of work on my sailing in that way. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just like, I needed to improve everything. So it was, um, it was really difficult at that point. So when do you feel then, Sam, that it really started clicking for you? Uh, I guess, I guess I was slowly improving. Um, and I would have some events where I, I went really well, you know, one year I, um, I managed to finish fourth in Palmer. Uh, and I kind of thought, yeah, here it is. I'm, I'm there. And then I went the next week and didn't make the goal fleet in um, in here. So <laughs> It just it just shows that like you know I felt like I had it um, or I had the potential, but just trying to get the consistency, especially in the laser, I think is so difficult. So uh, I don't know. It probably wasn't until about two thousand and fourteen that I really thought that you know I was starting to get that consistency rather than being a guy who could you know win some events but then um, not make the top twenty, you know, in the next one. So yeah, I always felt like I kind of had the potential, but just. Um, just being able to put it together event after event is another thing. Well, at this stage, um, Molly, after the two youth worlds and the laser radial, you know, where did you think you saw your future in the sport? So I guess after my um, last youth, well, to be fair, it was after the first youth worlds that I went to, um, Alex approached me and there were kind of rumours around the double-handed skiff coming into the Olympics for females um and Alex approached me and said hey would you want to team up and kind of give this a go um but I was at the time really keen to go to the next youth worlds uh in the laser radial still so I actually did a year where I did a bit of um 29er and learned how to crew uh but I also sailed in the laser radial so I think kind of just broadened my kind of skills a little bit um but then after my last youth worlds went straight um into full-time sailing with Alex and I think we've been sailing together for I think it's almost 10 years now so it's been it's been a good journey um but yeah I think just the the knowledge of the skiff coming into the Olympics for the girls was a really cool opportunity um and we we're actually really lucky to be involved in the development of the 49er FX uh here in New Zealand which I think was an amazing kind of kickstart to um our Olympic sailing career. Well, you ended up winning that inaugural 49 FX World Champs in, in 2013. I think you were 
21 at the time. You know, what was that experience like? Oh, it was pretty amazing. Um, I think we had had a pretty good season that year. I think uh, we're sailing the boat probably a little bit before everyone else. We'd kind of managed to get a little bit of the boat handling, uh, just a bit of a jump on the fleet. So that helped us out a lot. Um, but yeah, I think going in and winning that first World Champions was pretty special. First kind of big regatta uh, win for me, especially. Um, and yeah, something that I always remember we were on the podium, but also Pete and Blair won the boys and we had Marcus and uh, Josh Perepsky, uh got second as well. So it was quite a special moment for the Kiwis and the 49er, I think. It certainly would be. Were you surprised as a combo at how quickly you'd, uh, you know, achieved success? Um, I think going into the Olympic circuit that year, we didn't really have many expectations. And I think the whole fleet itself, we were all just trying to learn as much as we could about the class. So I think we were pretty open-minded around things. And yeah, obviously really, really happy that it kind of all came together at the right moment <laughs> but we'd also put a lot of hard work into it i just want to jump ahead to the the 2016 olympics um by this stage sam you were in and around that world's top 10 uh, but you had a massive fight on your hands to even get to rio and earn selection ahead of uh, andy maloney how close was that battle uh, it was really close i think uh like i was saying the laser you know there's so many guys and um and so many guys at a top level that it, just the selections are always so hard. Um, but I think that makes us so much better as sailors. But yeah, Andy and I were incredibly close and Andy went to the Olympic test event, um, which obviously made it pretty hard for me. Uh, but I just kind of managed to peak at the right time and um, come good for our two World Cup trial events. Um but yeah, I mean, I think we were probably only a couple of points apart in every regatta we did um, in that final year. Uh, but Andy was amazing, you know, and um, and pushed me so hard uh, in the trials, and I think that made all the difference for me um, when it came to the Olympics. So Molly, your passage to the Olympics was a little bit more comfortable, and with a lack of competition in this country, and it's the same. Sorry, it's the same still today. How hard has it been for you to not have another Kiwi crew sort of pushing you along all the way? I think it is is quite a challenge, um, kind of being the only uh, FX from last cycle. This cycle, we've actually got a younger team coming through, which has been nice to have um, another boat here in New Zealand. But last cycle, we really had to kind of think outside the box and we actually ended up teaming up with two international teams. So we ended up teaming up with the Danish team and the Brazilian team that won gold. Um, and yeah, we just felt like we we needed to find someone else that we could line up against and we could be open with and um, kind of, yeah, learn as much as we could. And I think in the end, uh, obviously, it would have been nice to get the gold, but it really made a difference with us um, kind of getting onto the podium. So yeah, it was it was tricky. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about those Rio experiences surely. But um, for Sam, what were your expect, expectations heading into Rio? Uh, well, I, I meddled in the last couple of events um, uh, for the trials, so I, I knew that I could do it. Um, it was just a matter of doing it on the day. Uh, and, and Mark Howard um, and Paul Smith from High Performance Sport um, you know, did a really good job of trying to prepare me as well as they could in, in the short amount of time that we did have after selection. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Olympics is a slightly different event again. So while I, I knew it was possible for me to get an event, I, I really wasn't, uh, sorry, a good result. I really wasn't hundred percent sure about how it was going to play out going in. Yeah. So what, how different, uh, is an Olympic regatta to a normal regatta? Uh, it's, it's pretty different actually for the lasers. Um, we only have one fleet and it's a lot smaller than usual and only one competitor from each country. So it's, it is a really different um, different format and a different feel to the racing. Um, yeah, and obviously there's a lot more that goes into Olympics, you know, with all the, all the media and a little bit more pressure and the whole of New Zealand. It feels like the whole of New Zealand's watching you. So it's, um, it's super different than, than an event, you know, we might go to in Europe where, um, where there's just nothing like that around. 
So how did a young Sam Meach cope with that extra pressure, especially as you opened up with the 19th in that first race? Yeah, it wasn't the ideal way to start. I uh, I remember getting an amazing start, um, coming off the line really well and, and just getting it completely wrong. But I looked around and saw that most of the favourites were actually with me. And uh, I, at that point, I was just like, okay, it's going to be a long regatta. You know, I've just got to chip away and hopefully come good at the end. What about um, your expectations, Molly, um, you know, heading into that, that the Rio as well? You know, we'd heard a lot about um, some of the challenges of competing in Rio. And, and what were the main ones for you and Alex? Yeah, so I think there was a lot of chat around the conditions in Rio and uh, we'd spent quite a lot of time there over the years building up to it. So I think we felt fairly comfortable um, in the venue. But I think for us, it was just about um, making sure that we just kind of didn't get overwhelmed by it being our first Olympics. Uh, we'd obviously heard a lot about, you know, what the Olympics is and um, the fact that there's a lot of differences to just any other regatta. But I think a major thing for us was just trying to be in the moment and try and enjoy it um, and not get overwhelmed by kind of all the extra kind of add-ons like the media and kind of all the rules around um, the Olympics itself. But, yeah, I think we, we went in and just tried to enjoy it as much as possible. Did you feel you sailed well in those early stages? Um, I think we, as a team, we decided that we wouldn't look at results and that had been something that we'd kind of brought into our campaign um, throughout the 2016 cycle. And I think something that has kind of stuck with us is that if you just kind of take it race by race and you don't get overwhelmed with where you are in the regatta. Uh, so I think that definitely helped a lot um, by just kind of, yeah, taking it race by race and trying to do your best every time uh, you kind of started. So Sam, you went into the medal race uh, in third place, but with about a 10 points to make up on second and a nine point buffer on fourth. What was your approach in that race? Uh, so I, I obviously knew all the points um, and I knew what I had to do. Uh, so it was just a matter of doing it. Unfortunately, we um, we had no win on the day the race was scheduled. So I sat around on the beach just being very nervous for a whole day. And uh, then the racing was called off. So I um, had to wait until the next day to actually go out there and do it. But I, I guess my approach in the position I was in was um, to just try and get top five in the race. And I was only hoping that um, Tom Burden, who was in silver medal position, 10 points in front of me, would get taken out um, quite badly. Uh, and I would end up five places in front of him, which actually uh, ended up happening <laughs> straight away off the line. But um, it, he caught up during the race and um, actually ended up taking the gold medal. And you got the famously got the bronze what was that feeling like when you uh, when you knew you'd claimed it uh it was pretty amazing to be honest i was actually just kind of relieved at that point because the race was so intense um the two guys who really wanted to beat me for the bronze medal um in the race were both in front of me halfway through and both trying to push me back through the fleet so i was just trying to survive really after the first lap um even though I was in a good position, they were really trying to push me back through the fleet and everyone was kind of compressing. And um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit stressful during the race. Um, so I, yeah, I guess across the finish line, just relieved. Whereas on the first lap, I, uh, lap, I was like, I've got this for sure. Um, <laughs> during the race, it just got a little bit more tense. Well, Molly, your, your medal race was a couple of days later and it was incredibly tight at the top. And I think it was only one point separating the top four crews how were you feeling going into that race <laughs> um yeah to be honest i was really nervous um so when you we finished the fleet racing and then we had a lay day so we spent you know you come off the water after your fleet racing we found out the points because someone from the media told us um and then you i spent the whole of the next day just kind of you know, you start thinking about all the different scenarios that could possibly happen. Um, and then I remember sailing out to the to the actual medal race um, 
And I remember saying to Alex, like, I'm, I'm quite nervous here, which was quite funny because I think she was in a very kind of relaxed kind of state. Whereas I think for the first race of the regatta, I remember her saying that she was really nervous. So we kind of had switched roles a little bit there. But yeah, where, where you were on the metal race course, you kind of sailed out and then we sailed past the beach and you could just see like the crowd on the beach, which was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, experience, you know, sailing out to your final race of the Olympics. We were like, whew, it was quite big. I'm not sure that would have helped with the nerves, seeing a crowd that size, though. <laughs> yeah, I think it was it was cool. I mean, it's something that I'm always going to remember. But when you get out there and kind of the orange flag goes up, it kind of you switch back into your process and kind of your pre-race routines. So I think that really helps in sailing is that. You can kind of acknowledge the crowd, but we also go away from it quite a lot. So just just sort of talk me through, how did how did the, the medal race play out for you? So it actually started off pretty well. We um, It was a three-lap race, which I can remember after the second lap, really wishing it was only two laps <laughs> because we were winning the majority of the race. Uh, we definitely had eyes on our competitors. So like you said, there were four of us um, it was pretty much whoever beat who. And I remember knowing where the Brazilians were and the other, um, the Spanish and the Danish. And then coming into the uh, final top mark rounding, the Brazilians came out from uh, the opposite side of the course to us. And we kind of were closing in on them on that downwind, on the final downwind into the finish. Uh, but yeah, we just needed, needed a little bit more of a downwind to, to catch them. So was it, elation disappointment relief then to secure silver because I guess you've been through the gambit of emotions throughout that race yes yeah it was pretty emotional um I remember initially crossing the line and being disappointed I think after leading for majority of the race it was a bit it was disappointing you know to come second but then I think when it sunk in kind of a second later it, we were obviously super stoked I think it's something that, you know, we've dreamed of standing on the podium at Olympics and to have achieved it together was pretty cool. So you, I guess, joined a fairly select group of siblings who have won Olympic medals for New Zealand. You know, what, Sam, is that experience like to have your baby sister there also standing on the dais like you were a couple of days earlier? Uh, it, was, it was really cool. Um, it was pretty neat. The whole team kind of met both of us down on the beach and I got to be on the beach where Molly came in um, and then mum and dad were um, were in Rio too. So to have the whole family there was just, just uh, something pretty special um, and hopefully we can have a similar experience next time. Yeah, not wrong. So how did life change then um, after the Olympics? Did it change for you? Um, and Sam, perhaps you could answer that first. Uh, no, life didn't really change that much. Uh, for the first month, you know, we were – we were quite busy um, doing uh, doing kind of trips down to Taronga with our um, with the NZ uh, OC, but yeah, after about a month, um, everyone kind of moves on from the Olympics, and yeah, life goes completely back to normal. Um, everyone kind of talks about how life changes after um, winning a medal, but no, for for us, I don't think it changed much at all. Is that the same for you, Molly? Yeah, 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 pretty much. I think uh, after the Olympics. Like there was a lot of excitement and then after that kind of period, it was a lot about kind of what's next and, you know, what, what were going to be the next goals for um, each of us. So, yeah, it's definitely um, gone back to normal. <laughs> Did you both know that you wanted to go for another Olympic cycle? Just start with you, Molly. Uh, no, not really. So Alex and I had really talked about Rio, you know, and that was – that was the goal and kind of we said we're going to do that one right. Um, but, yeah, I think after a few months we, we both came to the agreement that we, we wanted to go again and, um, yeah, hopefully secure gold in Tokyo. And for you, Sam, was it an easy decision to go again? Uh, it wasn't. Like, like Molly, I hadn't really put too much thought into it. You know, it was for me it was such a tight battle with Andy to get the selection and then such a short amount of time to the Olympics. That was all I was focused on. Um, and then afterwards, I actually needed to take some time off, you know, to actually decide what I wanted to do. Um, 
but I felt like I was kind of just coming into um, some of my best sailing. You know, I was starting to meet a lot more regularly um, and I felt like my performances, you know, could actually get quite a bit better from, from the Olympics onwards. So that was kind of the, the thing that made me decide to keep going for another cycle is um, I felt I had quite a bit more left in me. You, you mentioned, Sam, that you took a bit of a break after the Olympics. I think you got into Ironman racing and training and you did a 70.3 down in um, Tauranga. Have you done a full Ironman? And, and I guess what's the attraction there? Well, like I said, the idea was um, everyone tells you to have something planned after the Olympics, you know, so you've got something to focus on. Um, I'm not quite sure if I'd suggest that because um, I basically got straight into training. Uh, a couple of months after the Olympics, but no, I haven't done a full Ironman. Um, that was the plan was to do a half and then do a full the next year. But I, my knees packed in that year of the Olympics. Um, so I had it put in my calendar, but didn't manage to get it done. So you've been arguably the top laser sailor over the last four years and for a two year period, didn't finish outside the top six, which is quite incredible in the laser, which is such big fleets what's been that key for you during that period i guess like i was saying before i felt like i was improving and i'd come up with a more of a system about how to approach regattas um so i guess that's kind of been the key for me is um how i uh how i approach it and this cycle my goal's really been to to come away at the end of each event with the opportunity to medal um so i've been racing that way and um yeah so far it's been pretty good how much does it rankle you that you haven't won a medal yet at a at a world championships? Yeah, it's been a bit frustrating, especially um I think three of them I've been leading or on equal points with first going into the into the last three days. Um, I mean, yeah, it is what it is, but yeah, I'd really like to I'd really like to win a world championships. Well, Molly's has done that, and um, last year got to sail at, at, on home waters at the last year's Hyundai 49 or 49 Air and NACRA 17 World Championships at um, the Royal Akarana Yacht Club in, in Auckland. What, what was that experience like? It was pretty incredible to have a home worlds. I think uh, we obviously love sailing here in New Zealand and all the international sailors uh, really wanted to come down. And so I think there was a lot of hype around um, everyone coming to New Zealand. And I don't think we really expected everyone to come down as early as they did, but it was really cool to see how much uh, every all the international sailors enjoyed sailing here in New Zealand and exploring um, the country as well. So that was pretty special. But I think on top of that for us, just having everyone, uh, all the volunteers and the supporters, and I think most of the people that have actually been a part of my sailing career um, with their volunteering or helping out at the Worlds, which I think was, a, you know, something pretty special that doesn't happen very often in our sailing careers. How much pressure did you put on yourselves um, to perform well at this one? I would like to say that we didn't put much pressure on ourselves, but at the same time, I think there was also that underlying um, home, home water and kind of wanting to perform uh, for our kind of spectators and you know everyone that supported us back here so I think yeah we, def we definitely put a bit of pressure on ourselves and unfortunately uh, weren't able to to you know come away with a medal. So how do you reflect on it now? Uh, I think I think I was pretty disappointed with our result I think we we really fought for our position at that Worlds and we really put ourselves in a position to medal on the last day and we were kind of in contention, but uh, yeah, pretty disappointed with our meta race and to have a boat handling error. Um, yeah, something that you know we'll, we definitely have put that on the on the list of things to work on, and um, yeah, just to really improve from that. Well, you said soon afterwards that it would spur you on uh, at the next Forty Nine FX World Champs, which um, took place only a couple of months later, actually in, in Melbourne. But you never got that chance with um, Alex fracturing her foot. So what, what happened there? Yeah, so we headed over to Melbourne um, at the end of January and over to a place called Geelong and 
we were able, we did a pretty short build up into the Oceanias over there, which was kind of like the pre-regatta to the worlds. And that regatta actually went really well for us. We, we came second overall and we felt like we were in a pretty good place. Uh, we felt pretty confident, um, you know, heading into the worlds the following week. So we were in a pretty good place as a team, which was cool. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, it happened in one of our last training sessions pre-Worlds and just kind of one of those things that would have happened in any other kind of training session. We fell over during a manoeuvre, uh, but unfortunately, yeah, it ended up with Alex fracturing her foot, even though she was adamant that it was just bruised and that she was going to be all right and that she was keen to get back out on the water. Um, so we're all pretty positive right up into the fact that it wasn't happening. <laughs> mm, but how hard then was that period? Uh, I guess, especially with the Olympics seemingly just around the corner. I think with the support that we had, um, we had a physio over there and also with the uh, medical team back here at High Performance Sport, I think we got Alex the best kind of care possible straight away. Um, and I think within the team, we all felt like we were still, you know, still in it and we still had a really good uh, chance heading over to Europe. Um, so we were actually all ready to get on the plane uh, by the middle of March, I think we were ready to go. So it was a slight kind of setback, not racing in the Worlds. And I think we were all really disappointed as a team not to get that opportunity to race again and kind of redeem ourselves from the New Zealand Worlds. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things that has happened. And I think we've been pretty fortunate as a team not to have many injuries uh, within our campaign. So it was a little bit new kind of, um, figuring out how to deal with it but overall I think we we kind of adapted and yeah we're ready to go when the time came. So Sam you're both um, named to represent New Zealand at the Tokyo Olympics. Um, sailing was one of the first sports um, to announce uh, members to represent New Zealand for the Olympics and this happened with the spectre of COVID-19 hanging over us. You know what was that like to kind of uh, have it in the background that maybe this thing wasn't going to go ahead. Uh, it was still really cool, you know. I've, at, at that at the time that we uh, we were selected, we weren't really sure what was going to happen. Um, you know, it was kind of all just starting, so you know, it was it was super exciting on the day um, to get the selection, and then um, yeah, everything happened pretty quickly after that, <laughs> and uh, yeah, obviously some big, pretty big changes. So how has that year-long delay to the Olympics sort of impacted you? Uh, I, I guess it was actually kind of hard to deal with at the start because I felt like I had a really good plan um, for how the next few months were going to play out. And uh, I was pretty excited about it. Um, so I guess uh, I, I guess it has been a little tricky to kind of reset and, and with not much um, set in stone. Uh, for the next next year or so, um, it's a little bit dif more difficult to plan. Um, but we've, we're lucky that, you know, in New Zealand, there's a lot of sailing going on and um, we're still going to be able to do some sort of training if it's if it's not racing um, internationally. Yeah, well, you've got quite a strong laser squad here. Uh, there were three in the top 10 at the Worlds last year. Um, so how significant, I guess, is that? And then and perhaps if this is Australian or Australasian bubble can open up, how significant do you think that could be? Uh, it's, it's massive. Um, I guess the same as the last cycle where we had such a good squad and, and Andy was there. Um, you know, that, that just does everything, everything for you. You know, it pushes you so far. Um, and to have George Gortry and Thomas Saunders um, and a few others this time, um, you know, that's going to be so important, especially without being able to travel. And if we do get the opportunity to go to Australia, um, that'll strengthen our group as well. And I think they'll be pretty keen to join forces and, and do whatever we can down this part of the world. What about you then, Molly? What do you think this, this year-long debate uh, delay will, what impact will have on you? Yeah, like Sam said, I think it's it was definitely a bit of a surprise and a bit of a shock and it's changed the way things look significantly um and for us being kind of one of the only fx's in new zealand with our younger um up-and-coming team i think it is going to be a challenge but we are pretty lucky that the 49er boys have a really strong squad and they 
um, are pretty happy to train with us. So I think that really helps us um, having a little fleet around us. But I think if this Australasian bubble opens up, I think that will only help us um, in the long run. And then, yeah, I guess just having a bit of unknown around uh, what regattas and um, what competitions may happen between now and the Olympics, I think it is quite strange not having anything planned in the calendar. But I think we've got a pretty strong team here in New Zealand and we'll make a, you know, a really cool plan um, to keep learning, keep kind of improving during this time. I guess uh, the rest of the world's in, in pretty much the same boat, so everyone's dealing with a bit of uncertainty right now. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's certainly been um, and some interesting stories to, to digest and, and delve into over the last sort of 45 minutes or so. But um, before I let you two go, um, I, as with all guests, always ask them what their worst wipeout ever has been. So, uh, Sam, take it away. Uh, so I, I uh, decided to try and go to the Mothworlds in in December last year, which was fantastic. Great experience for me. But I did have a pretty bad crash um, during racing. I was coming across on port and Josh McKnight, one of the Australian laser sailors, was uh, in front of me and I saw his main foil come out of the water. And at that point, I kind of knew this was about to go pretty bad. Um, and we were, we were getting closer and closer. Um, and I ended up spinning up and crashing pretty hard, basically directly on his boat while he, when he stopped in the water. Um, and I went flying and the boat just kind of got stuck together. And I, at the point, you know, I was just kind of worried that I hadn't killed the guy. Um, but luckily we were both all right. Um, but my rig came down and I ended up swimming in what I thought were shark infested waters for quite some time. I guess with those um, boats, they go a little bit faster than our laser to and potentially might hurt a little bit more too, do they? It does hurt a lot more when you crash, especially into someone. And what about you, Molly? What's the worst wipeout ever? Oh, gosh. It's actually quite difficult. I um... They wipe out a lot. <laughs> oh, come on, Sam. It's not that bad. Probably the, the most recent one that springs to mind is actually the capsize that we had um, pre metal race here in New Zealand sailing out to the race course uh it was pretty windy and pretty choppy and I think we had quite a few spectators out there so the sea conditions was pretty challenging compared to what it had been like for our mornings racing and we went above Bean Rock and we were kind of bearing away um down to the race course and in 49er sailing the two sail reaching is the probably the hairiest moments for us and I just remember we went for the bear away. It kind of felt okay. And then we just caught a chime on a wave and, uh, yeah, pitch pulled. And I think I went flying into the gunnel and got myself a pretty nice bruise. So not ideal pre-start. Nothing like putting it in the water in front of a home crowd, just in front of a, you know, a medal race at a world <laughs> championship. Good, good, good timing. Yeah, not so ideal. <laughs> Well, thanks again, team. Uh, it's been great to have you on the show um, and get a sense, I guess, of where you two have come uh, from as sailors and as siblings. And, you know, look, there's plenty more to add to that story in the next uh, few months and years as well, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, thanks again uh, for making the time to come on Broadreach Radio. Cheers, mate. Cool. Thank you. Well, that's it for another episode of Broadreach Radio. Thanks for tuning in and join us again next Friday when we talk to another well-known Kiwi sailor. For everyone heading out on the water this weekend, be safe and enjoy.